0: Hello, hi everyone. Good morning, morning, Christian. Uh, and georgia so yeah, well, fourth episode of the security break uh, podcast. Uh, we did it apparently, that's a good thing. And, um, uh, yeah, for people who don't know, uh, yet, I'm uh, Giorgio Berticone, I'm uh, uh, Threat detection and response uh, consulting analyst at Vectra AI. Today, with me, a new guest, Christian Tracci, is here.
1: Uh, Christian, do you want to um, have a little introduction of yourself? Good morning, everyone. Uh, hi, Giorgio. Thanks for the invite. Um, sure. Uh, so, I work as a um, senior consultant at Waystone, uh, where I cover the public sector, international institutions on cybersecurity topics. Um, not focusing so much on the detection and response, maybe more on the policy, strategy, and processes that go behind uh, the big ecosystem of cybersecurity today. And um, maybe just to mention the side uh, gig, uh, we also uh, invest a lot of time on Cyber Strategy Initiative, the Italian uh, nonprofit association uh, that is uh, working in, uh, in this space to build a community of people interested in cybersecurity from different angles. That's my other sidekick.
0: Great. Great. And by the way, just to add on that, uh, I, I always forget, forget to say this, but uh, in the description of the video that will be re- re-uploaded on, um, on YouTube, I will put Christian uh, like, um, uh, you know, contact. Uh, so that if you if you are interested in any of you know his work or his project, you can just reach out to him. Uh, so so yeah, for for every episode you will find the the contacts of the guest for that episode. So thank you very much, Christine, to to be with me today. And uh, again, the fact that you have completely different you know <laughs> background and uh, uh, skills uh, co- uh, related to me uh, compared to me. It's it's actually I think an added value because you will know a lot of things that I will not know about, and maybe uh, that will be the same for the people that uh, will watch us today. And by the way, hi uh, Zamroid, one of the first you know uh, guests of the the episode he is here with us today. Uh, just seen uh, his comment in the in the chat. Thank you. Uh, so cool. Basically, you know. Um, for the people who didn't watch the uh, previous episodes we just selected a list of um, cybersecurity news from the last week and then uh, we will have a really uh you know um uh nice and uh, uh relaxed chat about those and try to understand you know um, opinions or just what could be the um uh, consequences or just uh, you know interesting things about uh, that fact uh, we have some of them today. I think pretty much all of them are very interesting. I re- I just hope that we will not lose too much time, um, uh, like <laughs> talking about all of them. So we need to, you know, um, uh, you know, contain ourselves. Hi, hi, Rocco, that is also following us. Great. So, um, what do you think, Christian? Are we good to go with the first one?
1: Let's get started. What happened this week, Georgia?
0: So let's see. I don't know. <laughs> People will <laughs> think that I actually read this stuff. I don't know anything. So <laughs> we will find out right now.
1: Uh, let's see. So I know you selected see. some interesting news for uh, your audience this week, and uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation with uh, lots of questions to, so. to answer. Yep, yep. And do we also get questions from the audience, Georgia? How does it work? Uh, well, to
0: contribute, people can definitely you know use the uh, Twitch chat to ask any question or also, you know, to give us their comments or their observation about the news we are reading because maybe there's something that we, you know, we both don't know about it, and they can actually, you know, uh, uh, add on top of it. So definitely, that will be appreciated, and I will, you know, highlight that in the. Um, uh, you know, in the screen as well, so we can both read the, the, the comments. So feel free, guys, to, uh, you know, uh, comment in the chat for any any thoughts you have about the news. Awesome. Cool. So, yeah, the first news uh, that people can see on the screen, hope so, actually, is that, um, yeah, apparently, you know, uh, Great Britain declared that they will double uh, their, you know, um, let's say, investment their funds on uh, you know the um i would say cybersecurity support they are uh, giving to ukraine for the of course you know the current uh, you know um uh, ukraine russia uh let's say war is that a war yeah i think so um and uh that's that's kind of a big thing because we also have some numbers in there that we will read it just in a second and um says a lot on uh, the attention that during, um, you know, a conflict like that, cybersecurity is actually um, a big thing apparently, right? Because if uh, uh, I will say like a, a country has to uh, spend all of that money just on this specific aspect of the world, because of course there are a lot of other things going, uh, going on at the same time, maybe some of them could be even more, you know, a, uh, I would say heavy and uh um uh you know uh, I can say this um just um difficult okay uh, but still seems that we are all uh putting some attention on the sub side so um well, Christian, do you have any first thoughts about this? What do you think
1: oh, I have so many thoughts already <laughs> Well, you already brought up the question of the year, right? Uh, Which is uh, related to the Ukraine, uh, Russia-Ukraine war conflict, you want to call it. Uh, Is cyber a big thing? And that's a question that everybody has been uh, struggling and fighting about over the last year. There are all the different camps uh, taking different positions. Uh, Some would say yes a lot, and they list you all the examples. Some they would say if you want to take down uh, um, Ukraine communications you will still hit uh, a power uh, plant right um, yeah so that's that's a question of the year but uh, this news I think it's uh interesting because it shows how much cyber has become more than um, coding well, and it's really gone. Uh, wide uh, beyond the technical domain, and this is honestly like a pure, pure, pure uh, news about uh, international relations, right? Yeah, we're talking yeah. about a conflict first. That's that's a context where we're we're um, working on, and then we're talking about two or multiple countries at the very high level in terms of um, political and diplomatic. Uh, spheres discussing and agreeing to uh, move a lot of money yeah. so so for me it's like it's fear international relations uh if uh, anybody's from this background you would study how these things work how, how countries literally um use these relations uh, and uh, the financial aspect related to um, to funding donations or support to To build uh, the relations between uh, two nations and everything that comes with it, and I think oh uh, this is very interesting one if if you if you are from this, uh, this sphere, one of the hot acronyms uh, this is a cyber is a field full of acronyms, so Absolutely. I feel free to 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 drop mine uh, already um, but yeah, one of the hot acronyms that you'd study. Uh, if you come from this background, is DIME. Okay. Uh, DIME that? stands for um, Diplomatic Information Military and I think Economic. And okay. it, it's one of the odd acronyms in the sense that um, when you study how countries and nations operate in the international space, there are a number of uh, ways to exercise your uh, national power, um, and that's that acronym kind of breaks down the types of um, powers that you have or ways to represent and exercise your power. And this would be the perfect example, right? So you've got the D, the diplomatic, and you've got the E with the economic. So the you, you, if you put yourself in the shoes of like someone in a ministry um, thinking about this, uh, hopefully. Uh, they would be like, which way can we um, assert our national interest and play a role in the space?" and they would based on some analysis hopefully they would choose one over the other um, to to play a role and so just to, yep. just
0: to, to be sure about that the the economy you just mentioned is uh, the um, what is this uh, the uh, high m e. Okay, perfect. okay, thank you very much. Yes. This is yes. very interesting. And by the way, I just wanted to, um, or, uh, to, to to remember people that I always forget about this as well, but I just uh, dropped the link to the news in the chat so that you know if you struggle for any reason you know reading the news from the screen, or if you just want to you know take your time after the live to ever uh, a read of the news, you can definitely do it. Uh, so, so that's you, what you can find in the, in the chat and for people watching this, um, on YouTube, um, you know, uh, after, after the live, I will also uh, list all of the news in the description of the video. So just always have a, nice. a look at that if you, if you want. And, um, I, I will just let you go because, uh, I think you had a lot of things to <laughs> say, but I just want to, to, to say that, uh, I am actually loving what you're saying for a very specific reason i'm you know i'm a technical person mostly okay yeah maybe i'm a consultant i deal with a lot of things but mostly i'm a technical person i'm coming from a technical background and i think most of the people in this uh, industry right uh, comes from a technical background and also thinks that cybersecurity is is all about technical stuff right that's uh, like my perception of the uh, into perception, right? Um, so uh, and and that's so so not true, right? Because there's a lot of things cybersecurity today is big, you know, it, that is also involved in uh, conflicts uh, of this uh, level because it's much more than technical stuff today, right? And uh, we really need people like you, Christian, you know, that also I would say put some awareness. On uh, these aspects, okay. I I also see uh, this is just a, a side topic, right? I want to open and close it immediately. But mm-hmm. I also see a lot of people who are, um, I, I will say, um, uh, attracted by this field. They are not in the field. They are not working in this field, but they they like, you know, reading about it. Maybe they think about joining this field, but they are just putting a barrier uh, like in front of them because ah, I don't know anything, I don't know any coding, I don't know, I don't know any you know technical stuff, so this is not for me. And well, there's a lot more that you can do, okay? If you have any other interests, if you have any other backgrounds, right? Legal stuff, politics stuff, and uh, whatsoever, right? There's probably something for you as well, right? So I could not agree yeah. more, yes so and, and this is you know, more. coming from a definitely technical guy i right, <laughs> a, a, a very ignorant about all of these of the other topics but this is the reason why i want to do this podcast because i can learn so much from people like yeah. you christine so
1: sorry but for the interruption no 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 no. Uh, thanks for that actually i could not agree more it's uh definitely a field that has changed a lot over the last few years and there's still different opinions you know about this field uh, and some would be more narrow Um, old style I would call them and some would be broader and uh, more innovative today but yeah I totally agree with you Um, but let me throw this back onto the uh, technical side let's go back to the technical side because you brought it up so I think in this article there is something there's a technical detail uh, hidden maybe a little bit that is really interesting which is Britain decided to Donate some funding to Ukraine for what? Mm -hmm. And that's a really key detail here. They specify that they're doing it for cyber defense. And I think they also mentioned forensic. I don't know if you can. They they mentioned a few different things that I'm trying to highlight here,
0: but uh, I'm sorry for that. I'm trying. So, first thing is uh, they are currently providing remote incident response support. Okay, that, that is very interesting, also for me. So maybe later I will mm-hmm. say something about this. Yeah. And right now the new fundings are uh, in order to provision forensic capabilities. So still to analyze, um, you know, the uh, the post mortem, you know, of a, of an attack. So what did it happen during an attack? Then try to learn something right about it. So these are the two things that I think are uh, mentioned in the article, right? And that, of course, uh,
1: Britain is specifically uh, mentioning. I mean, that's that's a key, key point there, right? Because the second that, that something like this happens and you don't specify your involvement, literally, in a conflict territory, mm-hmm. uh, you run the risk of getting drug into... Um, dynamics of what's going on in in the russian ukraine war right so and in terms of like broader terms of like political legal um diplomatic um aspects once you say we're just gonna help ukraine do whatever they want to do in the cyberspace that basically makes you a party to the conflict or it could it could right so So this this specification is Really interesting, okay, and it's not by chance.
0: Okay, so I have a question for you Do you think this is also like this could be as a way to put some, uh, uh I would say, limits or um, uh, perimeter on uh, what Britain is actually contributing, um, for this conflict? Like, these fundings are for this, you know, part. You know, we are helping with these aspects and maybe nothing more. Maybe like, like you know, uh, anything else will require another, you know, uh, 100%. Area.
1: Yeah, 100%. Okay. If today or tomorrow Ukraine says, I would like to go on the offense, mm-hmm. um, would the UK be involved in this? And based on on this article, okay. uh, we would probably say no, right? And the key point here is the implication of that, right? So the key question is when does when would the UK or any other country be considered a party to the conflict, right? And okay. by the sec by the time you are a party to the conflict, that has a number of implications, which is is russia or any other uh party involved be allowed or is it can they legitimately target you right because at the end of the day i mean i don't pr- we probably don't think about this uh in this terms a lot uh in, usually but conflict is a highly rationalized um phenomenon in a way right so yeah. there are historically because of history literally there are things there are allowed or are thought to be allowed and things are not uh, in a very like rationalized way right so as of today the UK is not a legitimate target for Russia um, but if they became part of the conflict maybe uh, being directly involved uh, then they, they could be right yes yes mm-hmm. they could be and that's like that's been a it's been on the news before right with Um, I think Russia definitely highlighted this um, in a couple of situations where the Western uh, front was uh, uh, showing greater involvement. They raised this and they raised the threat that they would consider them as directly Mm -hmm. involved, right? Um, And again, like, if you go down the chain of implications, the next step is what happens if you are considered a party, and then you're a legitimate target, and then the uh, JCHQ gets, uh, start being heavily targeted uh, by, by Russian attacks, right? So what what happens at yeah. that point? How does uh, the UK respond? What does that mean? What, what are the implications of that? Um, yeah. And that's really tricky, right? Because uh, uh, the escalation uh, is uh, in the conflict uh, studies <laughs> The escalation is the most difficult, most challenging uh, thing to to manage, right? You because you want to, again, rationalizing this, you want to deescalate yeah. or or manage the the, the situation. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: there was a lot of uh, of course, you know, speaking about uh, the the conflict, right, in general, and uh, again, from a migrant perspective, what I feel is that, of course, all the Uh, potentially involved countries uh, do not want to to escalate this to a potential world war, right? Right. Because there are so many potential uh, um, other countries that are supporting or not supporting in different ways and that's what all want to to avoid, right? I, I think also from the Russian side, maybe they do not say it publicly but of course it's a different thing to um, have a conflict with a single country and have a, con- a conflict with uh, many other uh, parties. But I don't want to specifically talk about that, just because I think it's too broad as a topic. Just yeah. to, I just yeah. wanted to mention it because you know I want to contextualize what what we are talking about. And uh, uh, let, let's maybe uh, return a little back to the cybersecurity side, right? Uh, because we. We contextualize, right? We we said what is the context right here. We I think people at this point understood that this is quite a, as you said, you know, a difficult and uh, uh, tricky uh, topic. And a part of this, I don't know how big, but definitely a good part of this is cybersecurity, right? Because we didn't see, I will say, in the previous conflicts we've seen before any public statements like this, any specific fundings, you know, focused on, uh, on such stuff. This yeah. is what, you know, it will be eventually the, the most interesting thing uh, for, for, you know, maybe people watching this, uh, this podcast maybe right.
1: Yeah. Um, we've seen the cyber dimension has taken uh, a role definitely in this conflict. Uh, with other parties being involved, um, the the U.S. Uh, uh, as well, I think they were involved in some sort of support like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were also on the news for something similar a couple of uh, weeks ago. Um, but this is literally, to go back to where we started, this is literally institutionalizing an, an action, right? A state yeah. decision to establish... Uh, recurrent or persistent uh, uh, relation with, with another country, so it's it's a, it's a lot more than just uh, you know uh, a side uh, operation, uh, side, uh, side activity. Yeah, like uh, will, to, yeah. Okay. Well, the, our, the that cyber that question, yeah. yeah. No, sorry. The cyber question here yeah. is: uh, Does it play a role? Does it actually change the outcome? I think that's a hot question oh. on this news. Like, okay, Britain, the UK, or whoever else decides to do this, does that play a role, or is it just politics?
0: Well, uh, well, that's a difficult question for me for sure. But I want to try to give some uh, uh, some inputs, right? Um, so, for what I read in the past about again the cybersecurity side on this conflict. Uh, it was really clear that Russia was a lot focusing on that on that for the offensive part, right? They were attacking both physically and uh, uh, you know on the cyberspace uh, to to really put pressure on Russia on uh, Ukraine from the very beginning, right? And uh, also Ukraine said multiple times that they needed uh, support on these uh, aspects as well. And they did, uh, again, this is a broader topic, but they did on both, you know,
1: um,
0: uh, I would say official requests to other supported countries, but also from uh, uh, privates, right? They had uh, Mm -hmm. really uh, a sort of uh, private army of uh, just, uh, you know, normal people, civilian people that wanted to uh, support Ukraine, both Ukraine people and uh, from abroad. So there, the reason there was a lot of uh, cyber conflicts, right? And I definitely think that Ukraine need that support, uh, especially on, on, on uh, incident response, like uh, with, yeah. uh, what is mentioned in the, in the article, because the point is uh, they said mul- multiple times, they are not on the offensive part in this conflict, right? Mm-hmm. They are, let's say, um, the victim here. They are um let's say just responding to this threat from Russia. Yep. They are just defending themselves from the I will say the uh the overall narrative here. And uh, automatically automatically that's gonna be true also from the uh cyberspace, right? They want to defend themselves yep. from uh yep. from the cyber attacks from uh from Russia and uh because I don't think they add any or, you know, much inner capabilities on that, um, uh, you know, uh, in this aspect. Of course, funds and uh, direct involvement from other countries that are much more uh, developed in these kind of activities, I think will make uh, a different a difference. I don't know if that's going to change the outcome of the conflict entirely. That's maybe a question <laughs> that I, I'm going to ask to you. Uh, but definitely, you know, I don't think there... You know, Ukraine will say, "No, we we do not, we don't need this. Let's put these funds on something else,
1: right?" Well, so to to break down uh, to break down what you are saying, uh, I think we agree that the need to do more, have more support, and everything was, is there. Like nobody yeah. would uh, dispute that. And then the question is, how do you uh, tackle this need, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I, let's let me ask you as as a, a specialist in uh, response, right, in incident response. If I drop uh, how many is it twenty million on you as yeah. uh, Georgia's, uh, Georgia's land, hmm. is that really gonna help uh, the whole nation to be better protected uh, from? Okay nation they attacked and because the, the other side of this is would would uh something else be better right uh i don't know mm-hmm. um a vendor offering as it's as we've seen it a vendor offering um edr and a bunch of other services for free like would that mm-hmm. be better than having um, some experts government experts uh doing capacity building and knowledge sharing right Um, Because maybe that's uh, fancy and it's it's really good for very targeted specific uh, situations. But then at the broader nation state level, it doesn't really change much. Or the other uh, alternative is, does it make it worse? (laughs) There's also that option, right? If let's, I'm going down the uh, extreme perspective here, uh, but... Let's assume that this news were taken really badly by by the other side, and it was taken just as a way to increase their targeting. Yeah. Right? The that's uh, yeah, exactly. That's the the worst case scenario. I don't think that's what's going to happen, or it's happening here, but it's it's definitely something to think about. Uh, as you were saying, like the choices, li- resources are limited, time and resources are limited. We need to figure out how to maximize them. Right. And um, in, in any space, whether it's like cyber, should you focus more on which side of the fence, right? Uh, and, uh, or on the political side of, like this. Uh. But I guess maybe the, the final question on this that I wanna throw at you is if you put yourself in the shoes of a nation state, UK mm-hmm. in this case, mm-hmm. should you do this? Should we do this uh, and why? Okay. Okay. That's a tough one, right? There, there a, there's a lot on, <laughs> on
0: this thing, uh, but that, it's definitely interesting. Thank you very much for, for you know, uh, on this input. So, um, well, I have two premises here, right? First of all, these, uh, we don't know the details here. We know about the, the amount of money, right? But we don't know exactly how these are going to be spent or if there are any constraints from uh, britain on how to spend this because i think there will be right they say you know this is for forensics and incident response but what does that mean is this money that britain should pay their their own uh, operators right to just contribute to the ukraine cause or this is just money that they, were, they are giving to Ukraine. And, you know, you can spend this on uh, incident response services from other people. I don't know. Like, right. I don't know the details here. But this is the first premises. Uh, the other thing is that, of course, I'm going to be biased in this thing, right? Because, of course, I, I think incident response is important and everything. So take it as what it is. Okay, so just the perspective from someone in, the, in this specific field. So the point is that, what I think is, uh, we are on a late stage, I will say, of the conflict, right? We cannot really talk about prevention, mm-hmm. for, for what I think, because you know, it's, it's too late. And, and by the way, even if it, it wasn't that late, you know, you can ju- you know, in, in cyber in general, you cannot focus only on prevention, because you can never say, okay, I'm 100% secure because I can prevent anything. Okay, there will be always something that it is unexpected. And uh, eventually, if you are targeted, like in this case, of course, um, someone is going to, you know, uh, breach your defenses, breach your, you know, uh, preventive measures. So definitely there should be, and it's a good thing that, you know, there are investments in response. So basically, you know, for people who don't know what, what we are talking about, we are talking about the fact that Okay, uh, an attacker, or in this case, a uh, you know a country, a state, is uh, attacking you on the cyberspace, and they already have breached you. But the point is that uh, you can still try to contain the damages. You can still try to uh, understand how they got in, so that you can you know patch you know the uh, the way they they, uh, they they got into your network, so that you can basically kick them out of your network, right? <laughs> and, uh, and make sure that the next time your preventing measure will be higher and you can defend from the same attack, right? So this is the process we are talking about. And during a conflict of this level, that's definitely something that I think uh, countries, organizations, institutions should focus on, right? Because it's going to be uh, during a war, let's say a, a generic war, maybe not this specific one, but there will be a lot of attacks. There are on the physical um, uh, perspective, there will be on the cyber perspective, and both, um, uh, both sides of the conflict will maybe uh, perpetrate attacks. So each of the sides should be able to detect those attacks to know that they are in fact um, hit by, by something because the problem with the cyberspace is that you can maybe... Be hit and uh, for some of those attacks maybe you don't even know that you were like maybe let's talk about espionage that there's that is a, a something that during war I believe is gonna be uh, done a lot right espionage is something that where you attack you breach the um uh, the target defenses and you try just to uh, uh take data from them maybe to have um uh I would say um an help on the physical part, right? If you know where the army of the other side is placed physically, you will have uh, some, uh, um, uh, you know, ju- just some help on the physical side, right? And uh, you have to understand that you were hit on the cyberspace in order to prevent that data, that, that information to be stolen, right? And of course, if you are actually hit on a, uh, let's say, um, uh, critical infrastructure, right? Uh, something that we, we did see a lot for this uh, conflict. Uh, maybe, uh, again, an, a power plant is attacked on the cyberspace so that uh, uh, the, the country uh, the, does not have the, uh, the power that is needed, right? During a conflict like this. And uh, you want to understand where they got in so you can kick them out and uh, restore your, po- your power capabilities. Okay, if the attacker are still there, they can still mess up, even if you try to restore just physically, right? They are still there, so you maybe you know switch switch it on. I'm I'm simplifying here, right? You switch it on the power, and they are still there that switch it off. So it doesn't make sense if you don't respond to the cyber threat. So, again, from my perspective, this is definitely something that is going to be useful if the money is going to be spent well, of course. And um, just the last thing that you mentioned before, comparing this with just vendors providing you know, hardware, software solutions or something, of course, those are helpful as well. But if you don't have people, if you don't have um, experts operating even those solutions, those are not useful at all. We are not on the stage like globally where you can just put technology in there. And that's true for any, um, I would say, uh, scenario, right? You cannot just put technology in there and uh, you can say, OK, I- I'm safe. That's not true. You now, whoever say that, that's not true. It's a combination. Software and tools and technology apps a lot. It, actually, I would say it is also required. Because on the other side, they are using tools, technology to attack as well. So you need that, but you definitely need expertise. You need skills. You need the people capable of using those tools and eventually analyzing, in this case, the data that comes from, uh, from that technology. Okay, So the, uh, you know, whatever solution you are providing, that is useful. But someone should read the data from, from that tool. Okay? And that person needs the skills, needs the background, needs the expertise, and uh, that person eventually is going to, to, to be paid for it. So that that's where I think at least part of the money should be should be spent. I don't know if you know overall it makes sense. That there's a, a lot to say, but
1: uh, for the yeah, record, just, I just totally my... agree with you. I was just being thought provoking uh, with uh, trying to break down the different sides of, of this. But uh, maybe then shout out to the blue teams, then Uh, they play a key role in in this, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Uh, I will say thanks for the, again, not just for this conflict, of course, for this conflict, but in general, uh, you know, uh, people putting efforts in the defending organization and institution and, you know, investigating those threats. I think I'm biased again, but I think that's a a really essential part of the, um, uh, you know, or or just the cyber game, right? Without it. mm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So it was great. And I think we could talk a lot more about this, even, you know, more than what I was thinking, you know, when we selected this news. But I think we also have a lot of other news to to talk about. Let's see the others. Okay. Okay, great. So I hope this was interesting for everyone, but we're going to switch to the next one. And uh, I'm going to, just to to not forget it again, I'm going to drop it again in the chat, the link, I mean, uh, for this news, so anyone can read it. And uh, here we go. Of course, another... um, big piece of news here uh, I think all of the uh, you know the, the news we collected this uh, this week uh, are, are pretty big actually but uh, we'll try to again uh, contain ourselves um, So this one as you can read from the screen uh, thoughts um, again of course about ChatGPT. Ch- uh, and uh, the point is that apparently some uh, uh, researchers, Academic researchers uh, studied and uh, um, also, you know, how can I say this? Uh, they, they concluded, right, uh, testing GPT capabilities that when you use it to uh, create code, so to program something, uh, scripts or software in general, uh, apparently is not going to create that code in a very secure way. OK, and this is j- just the title. I think it says a lot. Um, so very little premises here. For the very few who don't know we are talking about, when we say ChatGPT, we are talking about, and uh, sorry for the machine learning experts out there. I'm not an expert. i just giving a very um, you know, a, a high-level uh, definition. Is a uh, um, artificial intelligence model, specifically, I believe it's a uh, uh, LLM, so a large language model, uh, that is currently pretty public, so anyone can technically access to it and use it, with the, a series of consequences. And uh, uh, one of the capabilities that this uh, this model has, you know, you can ask it what whatever you want. You can basically answer. Pretty much any question in uh, implant, you know, in, in plain English or any other language. But something that a lot of people are uh, using it to do is actually to ask ChatGPT to actually build software. Okay, so to code a part of an entire, you know, product. I, I, I'm not. I don't know about an entire product, but at least you know, piece of it, um, entirely on its own. Okay, so you just. Tell him the the task. Okay, I want to create this. You just tell him the constraints. So I want to do this in this uh, programming language. I want to do this uh, respecting these uh, limits or to achieve the specific the specific goal, and uh, so on and so forth. And you basically have in, I mean seconds, like the the code you need, right? So and and that's what this news is talking about: the fact that. You will have the code eventually. You have you will have the output you were expecting, but as uh, programmers that and developers that are watching this will know probably or should know is that you can definitely create some piece of code in multiple different ways, and uh, all of these different um, alternatives will probably work. Okay, they will actually do what what you expect them to do, but. You should also care about the security of how you are coding it. Like, is this code also providing some, uh, <laughs> some, some of my colleagues will say, um, uh, hidden features, right? <laughs> so basically, bugs or unexpected uh, ways to, to exploit the code, right? Maybe to do something uh, harmful for the code, the product itself. Well, it seems that GPT is not really <laughs> caring a lot about it. Or you know, at least th- that's what uh, the researchers say. <laughs> I don't know. Th- 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 this was the introduction. Um, Christian, do you have any you know, uh, uh, thoughts about this? Well,
1: so uh, f- first of all, I think this is interesting because of the massive, massive applicability first, and then Potentially implications. Uh, I don't know if the implications are massive yet, but potentially they could be, right? So that's that's why I think it's relevant to talk about this. And well, the second, uh, the first reaction I had when you started presenting this was, well, we started off with the good news, and now this is probably <laughs> on the other side, on on the bad news of the week, right? Um, so let's uh, balance a little bit. Uh, but I guess it's part of our job, so that's good. Um, The key concept, I think, here is I started off with an acronym now and um, before, and now I'm going to drop the buzzword of the day. Um, uh, I think it's security by design, right? Uh, That's uh, the the buzzword of the last uh, couple of years, definitely more, but it's gotten a lot more credit recently. And this is the massive example. Uh yeah. we are talking about um uh, generating code that is unsecure by design. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. But the first question I had when you were presenting this was is this this is a problem today, but mm-hmm. is it actually a problem long term or in three, four, five years? Or is it something that we can easily tackle and solve uh, with a more tailored um, model trained on secure coding and uh, with a very specific goal of writing secure code like is is this a problem we can easily solve and i I don't know i'm I'm asking you or anybody yep. who's uh, connected and uh, knows more about uh, LLMs or machine learning uh.
0: so uh, very interesting input again, thank you uh, and I think I will split these uh, into different topics right, because I think there are two macro um, uh, I would say interpretations of this uh, and we need I think that to, to actually answer your questions, we need to uh, go through both of them Right. So um, if we, so you asked basically, you know, if this is uh, uh, just something that is happening right now or this is impacting long term, right? Yep. Uh, So, first aspect is okay, this is uh, an issue for ChatGPT uh, itself. Okay. So, the researchers have had an assessment of uh, this specific tool. Right? So we are talking about one specific model. But when we talk about artificial intelligence, there are a lot of other model- models out there. You know, uh, I know Bard from Google. And probably there are a lot of others that I don't know because I'm not in the field. So this is just a piece of it. What if the same assessment was going to be done on, on all of the other um, uh, similar tools? Maybe they have this, they share the same issues. Maybe other have already found you know uh, uh, some uh, some ways to improve this because of course it's not something that you just fix. You know you can again just increase and uh, uh, set the bar higher so the code is a little more secure. You are taking into consideration also of these aspects, right? Um, and uh, f- about this, I-, I think we we don't know, and uh, there like we will need a much broader assessment to to have an answer to that question right we need to mm-hmm. assess all of the tools involved so uh let's say that open is uh, is behind the uh, chat gpt right reads about this news and from now on they put some effort some investments on increasing our chat gpt is focusing on security when building code technically i think and again we will need maybe um, some thoughts uh, from an expert, but I think this can definitely be improved. Also, because uh, I somewhere in the news, uh, it's pretty long, so I'm not going to to find it. But somewhere, somewhere in the news, they say that if they ask ChatGPT to evaluate its own code from a security perspective, ChatGPT knows, let's say, or at least you know, mentioned that you no, know, the code. Is not secure, or it can be definitely be improved on a secure on a security perspective, right? So if mm-hmm. there's that kind of uh, let's say awareness, I am a little afraid about using these words because we, because we are still talking about a tool, right? <laughs> but still, if uh, technically uh, the learning process of the LLM included, you know, security uh, on uh, uh, you know coding security, I would say. Uh, Definitely, there's some work that can also you know embed those same concepts when building uh, the code itself, okay? okay so I think that could be improved and on long term, it could be a lower i would say issue there there will always be a risk as uh, you know there will be always be a risk when a human you know creates code because of course even the most expert person again cannot cannot be one hundred percent secure that okay. My code is unbreakable. My code is perfect and cannot be improved more than this. That's not true. There will be always something uh, that I think can be, uh, can be improved. Uh, yeah, and that's, that, that, that's the first part. The other thing, the other aspect is that uh, today, and I'm pretty sure about this for, I would say, personal discussion with uh, some uh, friends and uh, folks, but also from uh, you know some literature out there. As we said, ChatGPT is public. Anyone can use it, and a lot of people is using it, also for their own uh, daily jobs. Maybe also uh, with uh, their um, employers not knowing about this. What what do I mean? I mean that if I am an, if I am an employer and I hire a developer. And that developer starts building its code um, uh, in combination with ChatGPT, like asking also ChatGPT to uh, create some pieces of that code that is gonna integrate with the overall project that is uh, working on for the company. It means that today, globally, a lot of companies don't know that part of their, you know, uh, um, code repo- code repositories are actually built by ChatGPT, and my question now is, like uh, something that we, we probably will not know the answer. But my question is, how many companies are there are building products with unsecure code from ChatGPT? You know that, that's already there. Even if ChatGPT will improve and the next call that it will build, it will be better on the security perspective. The code that was already integrated in a product from, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, company X, I don't know. That's already there. The bug is already there. There could be a vulnerability and uh, maybe we will never know because the developer will never declare, oh, I de- I did this together with ChatGPT. So
1: that doesn't make sense. So. I think there's no question that that is a problem. My question would be, why do you think that's a different problem than just a human writing unsecured code? Because <laughs> that still happens. It's not like today doesn't happen and then with ChatGPT GPT would happen, right? For me, one answer could be it's yeah. the, the quantity or the quality of that code is just so, so different. And that makes it... Qualitatively different. It's it's a different type of problem, right? Uh, so that could be an answer. But I don't know. Like, why do you think? Do you think that would be a completely different type of problem than what we have so, today?
0: For multiple reasons. First of all, um, like the point is, how many developers is Chat ChatGPT actually enabling to build that software? <laughs> Like some of, you know, a part of that software is something that maybe the developer will will have never built without ChatGPT GPT because uh, they don't want to, they think it's uh, too much effort, they think, uh, you know, uh, they don't have the skill to do it, right? But today there's ChatGPT, GPT, so I will do anything. So I will write actually more code than yesterday, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, Just because I'm enabled to do it. Right. Yeah. So it's it's uh is, let's say my the example in my head is that from the day ChatGPT was released and was declared to be able to build software, it's like uh, the developers out there in the world just uh, uh, you know duplicated. It just if mm-hmm. from a day to the other we have double the amount of developer developers out there. Of course, this is just you know in theory and. Uh, well, let's say philosophically, because a lot of developers maybe don't use it. A lot of developers are capable of, you know, um, finding that vulnerability on the code. So maybe if also if they take the input from ChatGPT, they also modify it to make it more secure, and uh, so on and so forth. But technically, we can have a lot of more code because of ChatGPT. Okay, so right. that's one reason why it is different. Okay. And Maybe a developer today was building insecure code in uh, X amount. Today is uh, building software and code on X plus ChatGPT, right? right. <laughs> so it's a it's a quantity thing, and the other point is about I think laziness. So what about we are humans, right? We are all humans. We say already we are all uh, imperfect, uh, and uh, the point is that if S- something else is building the software or m- on my behalf, Okay. am I really checking it very carefully every time ChatGPT uh, writes something or today because I'm a little heel, or today because I'm a little lazy or I'm focusing on another task that is yeah. most important, I just ch- ask ChatGPT to do it and I copy and paste it without checking it. Again, not because I'm doing this on purpose, but because I have other problems, other uh, things that my manager is asking me to do, right? So again, I think that ChatGPT is just, you know, multiplying the problem.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Um, Based on your initial introduction, can he also be the solution?
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting, but also difficult, I would say. Not
1: today. Like we said, not today, maybe, yeah. but maybe yeah. if... And like, I think sometimes we forget that ChatGPT is a general AI model mm-hmm. and it's not tailored. It's not specific to a specific field. It's supposed to be able to answer questions from any given number of uh, topics, right? Um, And coding being just one of them. But if it were just um, a software uh, development uh, AI model, would that make it better? And maybe, uh, I know people talk a lot about this, it's on my field, Uh, there are other solutions that might be uh, better today. So, maybe that's a solution today.
0: Yeah, so yeah. Not uh, use.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, again, you, you, I think you uh, introduced, uh, introduced multiple things here. So, again, we, we said already that technically, ChatGPT or another model that is uh, um, more capable on this aspect, right? or capable of creating secure software can be used. And uh, maybe tomorrow we will just balance what we did in the past, right? Just because we will start to build much more secure software tomorrow, uh, it's it's okay, you know. uh, The the amount of code that we 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 put in there today is not you know a a real issue, you know, on on a global aspect. The other thing is what you mentioned before, like what if the new coding capable ChatGPT Will be actually the um, the cure for this uh, for this uh, issue. Well, there's a a little but very important implication on that, right? Because today, what most of developers do is to create new code, right? Mm-hmm. I have to create a new feature, a new um, uh, uh, arm of the product, okay, and I start building it together with ChatGPT. But in order for uh, uh, a model like like this to uh, make the previous code more secure is to make it capable of reviewing the previous code, okay? So it means that you have to take your internal repository and maybe you are a company with a very big repository that can contain a lot of data, and that data is not going to be only code. It could be anything like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, databases or even hard code credentials. Or we can talk about this for, for months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to put all of this on the ends, like virtual ends of uh, 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 an artificial intelligence model in order to review it and make it more secure. That's something that already some tools are doing, right? It's called, I think, co- code review. There are people yeah. doing this, and there are tools doing it, this, where you just, you know, um, uh, input your code and uh, make it suggest some changes to make it more secure. Right. So it's already a thing, and I think you know it could probably be integrated with artificial intelligence to make it even more, you know, uh, capable. Right.
1: Well, you brought up the problem of the um, training data set of AI models, which applies to this specific case, but um, probably we all heard about it in the news for other more um, clickbaiting reasons, right? So if you feed any model, if you train any model with uh, biased data, it could be uh, discriminatory, whatever other strong position that we find in the information that is available online or w- whatever else is your source, then the model that comes out might be biased, right? Unless you put in place uh, corrective me- measures, right? And I think the same problem exists here, right? If you if we take all the code that is on, on GitHub and uh, that code is, is not good because there are historically, there've been vulnerabilities Uh, In all that code, then the outcome, unless you put in uh, corrective measures, um, might be biased. Uh, So that's that's a general problem of AI, you know.
0: Well, like there are two different things. The the like what I was suggesting before is not really to um, like provide the code to uh, the model in order to learn from it, but Mm -hmm. to review it. Right. So let's say that. You actually stop the learning process, okay? Or at least you you can, you know. Again, I'm not an expert, but you can like do the learning process on uh, on a laboratory internally, and then whatever the uh, actual user are uh, um, giving as an input is not learned anymore. It's just processed for the purpose of the outcome, but maybe it's not going to change the model itself. No, technically you can do this. Right. It's right. not how it works today. Right, but right, right. Got it. Yes. yes. But still, there is an issue that is: uh, Are you still giving ChatGPT or whatever access to your person, like to your private data or to your? Uh, I would say um, there, there's a better term for this, but I, I don't remember. Like, um, like sensitive data for the company. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see. I don't know, AWS giving their infrastructure code to ChatGPT to, to make it review. Because still the infrastructure behind ChatGPT has to be secure in order to not exfiltrate the data, to not, you know, expose the, the data. I don't know if that makes sense. There are other implications about this because you are still, you know, uh, giving access to your data to external. Uh, providers to external uh tools right. that need to access a lot of data in order to to do a proper job. Otherwise it doesn't make sense. Yeah.
1: With chat GPT today, yes.
0: Yeah. Of course. Unless you
1: develop your own internal model, uh, then that's another question. Uh yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Last obviously. thought I have on this. Um I thought this news was also interesting because it kind of replicates a problem that we have in the security space, um, regardless of AI, which is how each uh, professional coming from different backgrounds comes to this work with their own mindset. So if you are a software development, your core, mission is to develop codes and you focus on that. And sometimes you might or might not think about security. If you are, and this is an example, but you also got the completely different example. If you do offensive, you are really focused on, um, I'm gonna oversimplify, breaking in. And sometimes you might not pay as enough attention to operational security, right? And that's how we've been seeing so many cases of, um how offensive groups uh then actually got uh breached because they were not following the best practices, right? So in terms of like mindset, security for me, security is really about mindset of like applying some fundamental concepts to whatever you're doing, right? And that's why we have security professionals that focus on that, because like whatever else, I don't say I wasn't saying that in a negative way, whatever else you are working on that's your core mission and it's good that you're focusing primarily on that but then today it's become so evident that there are other aspects security aspects in this case that are so important that you cannot just ignore them right uh, otherwise then there are consequences like you were saying but so just to bring it back to chat gpt like if you tell chat gpt how is code supposed to be uh, secure? And then you ask to improve code to make it secure. Apparently, uh, it is possible to do it. Whereas if you don't take the security perspective uh, in your prompt or conversation with ChatGPT, yeah. yeah. then it doesn't—it's all considered, right? Because it's a different mindset for the AI model.
0: You know, you're you're so right. And uh, again, you already. I think you already had an input uh, on this uh, before. So the point is that should be uh, in the mind of the developer or uh, you know prompt engineer. I have seen this uh, this term used uh, mm-hmm. already. a lot, Yes, <laughs> uh, should be the person building the prompt to think about. Okay, I I'm not on, I'm not just going to ask. To do this, but also to make it secure, or should ChatGPT consider it like to make it secure by design? Because again, it's something that all of the all of the world should focus on. So there will probably be a lot of uh, conversation about this because uh, you yes. see, like OpenAI fault that build a software that doesn't take this uh, uh, as a um, Prerequisite. Okay. Like, again, code should be secured by design. Like, there are a lot of things that they did uh, for not answering um, problematic questions. So, what if you ask ChatGPT how to create a weapon or something, right? It will actually say, okay, I know how to do this, but I cannot say to you because of the consequences. Okay. Right. So, technically, it could be the same. Should ChatGPT reply to, okay, I cannot give you this piece of code because this will be unsecured by design and I can just yeah. give, you know, proper developed code. Okay, that's, I think, is the missing part. Still, you know, of course, also from the other side, I will say because I'm, uh, I'm biased and I'm a security professional that all of the developers out there should know and should care about the security inside their code. So maybe. They should create the prompt by design to ask for security. So I don't know, should be if we if we talk about something the stuff that should be, both things should be. But I think there will be more and more like pressure on open AI and uh, you know similar organizations to actually you know uh, solve the problems from their side. so you d- you don't have to care about it. You just, you know, make me a sandwich, make me automatically a secure sandwich. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, right?
1: I absolutely love this point. Uh, as I was reading the article, it was literally like the, 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 the cool question. Uh, I was asking myself, who's responsible for this and yeah. who's responsible for the solution? And I thought totally I'd agree with you, like in the long term, it should be secure by design and uh, it should not even be a question. It should be pre-hard coded. Into mm-hmm. the
0: model. Um, so, I would yeah, like no. to I I want to close this with a question because I don't think that there will be an answer, right? Because you said who's going to be responsible for this. And I'm gonna ask when there will be like a data breach caused by a vulnerability in a code built by ChatGPT, who is going to be accountable for it?
1: Right? (laughs) I mean, so sorry. This is such an interesting question. I don't want to drop it like that. Um, I think. I knew it. Today (laughs) we. It's it's a really good question. Um, I think it will come up and it will be broken down in a way that is harder to answer. But today, I think we still have a fairly easy answer because we're still attributing responsibility to humans um and maybe the parallel uh, example here would be with code that is just reused uh right if you take code from uh yeah. overflow or whatever and you reuse it or if it's uh, maybe a better example if you take open source code and you rebrand it and you resell it uh are you responsible for it if that code was uh unsecure right and that's a hot question uh that we're actually tackling and struggling a little bit today to make mostly to make it operationalized right not to figure out the responsibility but to say you are like you were saying the keyword maybe is accountable to uh fix that or pay for that um yeah. so yeah
0: yeah it's, like, it's a it's a tough topic right then uh I knew that uh, th- this could be another podcast just focused right. on that. <laughs> yes. So, uh, again, I'm saying that it, it was very interesting and uh, we are taking much more time than, <laughs> than
1: yes. I let's expecting. let's move on. we got a lot to cover.
0: <laughs> but but I'm loving it, right? So, thank you very much, yes. Christian. And uh, I hope that you will have time this morning because uh, we still have... Uh, some news to talk about, so we have to reach to the end, uh, and I hope that people are still, you know, uh, following us because maybe we are <laughs> dipping dive a, a little bit, uh, but I think it's much more interesting. So uh, it is, it is, is yes. Uh, so I just dropped the, you know, banner here. So again, we are live on Twitch right now. We are talking about this, but this video will be re-uploaded on YouTube. Uh, later uh, next week, and also on uh, you know um, uh, podcast uh, platform such as uh, Spotify. So if you, if you are not following us today, feel free to uh, uh, I do the, the the cool guys say uh, su- su- subscribe. Subscribe. Do they su- yes.
1: <laughs> do they subscribe? Subscribe to... and follow us.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, great. What's let, next? Let, let's move forward. Um, this is uh, again i would say something that will really uh probably interest you uh because uh it's still on your uh um, overall uh background or field of interest right and uh so let's introduce it right so the department of justice i just processed the lead the, the acronym because uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know what DOJ really meant, but the Department of Justice from the United States uh, did a really interesting um, de- like uh, you know declaration publication, I don't know, uh, where they are introducing a new section of their national security division, right that is very, very specific about, and I'm just uh, uh, quoting the, the article here, prosecuting malicious foreign cybersecurity acts, right, or events, okay? So I I, I need personally to process this a little more. So a division that is specifically focusing on foreign, okay, so involving foreign countries, cybersecurity events, okay? Um, So I think, again, I'm I'm immigrant, right, but I think this is big. And uh, as usual, the United States are always a little, uh, no, not always, but often a step um, uh, in front of uh, most of other countries, right? Uh, they had considered in the past maybe uh, cyber, like the, the, the cyber um, uh, realm as uh, one of the um, realm involved in a, in a conflict like a war, right? So they were the first doing something like this. And uh, this is another clue that they are really taking attention on the on the cyber realm, uh, putting an entire division working on just cyber events involving uh, other countries, right? And this is, I think, again, uh, in order to um, uh, address conflicts with other uh, countries or avoid... Uh, further conflicts, I would say, or uh, try to also, I, I think, um, um, prevent escalations, right? Because again, if you are uh, finding about something that a potential harming country is doing, uh, targeting you, you want to point it out, you know, that, you know, we know about this stuff, we know what you are doing, and uh, uh, they can also maybe try to do something as a consequence, right? So, this means you know creating a division means putting people and skills uh, on on this stuff means putting investments on this stuff, and uh, uh, again is another clue that we will probably have a lot of work to do <laughs> in, the, in the following years because we are we are here to stay, right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so so again, I will, I will actually give you you know the the. Uh, I
1: I, am so so glad you selected this news it's one of my favorite topics probably and it's not even something I covered in my previous studies necessarily or at work really but I just found it when I was going through you know school and uh, um, looking at cyber from different angles and this would come up I just always found it super interesting how again, to start off how cyber is connected to other fields and this would be the legal uh, space or uh, law enforcement. And then the, I think the news here is not even about the legal aspect. It's, Mm. let me throw on the table something else that is barely talked about, but I think it will be super, super um, relevant and interesting in the future, which is here we're talking about literally organization. Like, Mm. How do we figure out what's the right approach in terms of configuration, organization at the uh, business, institutional, uh, team level um, to tackle and to fix the problem we're facing? So let me break that down. We have a problem, me... everybody recognize that.
0: Sorry, sorry. Let me just interrupt yes. you for a second, just to um... Maybe explain me and the other people uh, a little more, right? Because it's not really clear from an ignorant perspective uh, what the article is really saying about this division. Uh, And what I mean is that... Good point. Is this a legal division? Is this uh, an investigative division? Or is this something like just a diplomatic thing? So do you know, and maybe you're not, but you know, uh, do you know a little more about what will be the real scope of this? Maybe there are multiples. I don't know.
1: You're super. Yes. Sorry. I jumped uh, a, a few steps that were clear in my mind. And uh, that's a very good question. So let's let's go back. Um, if we go back 10 or 15 years, okay. even more, you go back all the way to uh, cuckoo's and um, really? cuckoo's eggs and the, the beginning of this. Uh, The history of cyber, literally, as we read it today, is we had cases, uh, we had attacks or incidents, whatever you want to call them. People uh, detect them, and they were trying to do the analysis or forensics, if you want to call it that way. And then they were trying to report these things, right? If you you take Kukos Hacks, they would go to the local FBI um, division and the FBI or any other law enforcement agency probably around the world you could report uh, uh, an incident that happened to you personally it could be smaller, it could be big and they would literally struggle to even know how to address this, right? Uh, they didn't have the skills, it was not the priority, they didn't have the resources probably so this was a big 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 problem for many years and Over time, and we're literally talking about decades, uh, because we're talking about like a gigantic machine that you have to change uh, with training resources and all of that. Um, First, it was recognized as a problem. And then they started taking some actions to say, okay, if you are uh, a police officer, if you are uh, an FBI agent, you need to have some basic trainings on how to deal with um, evidence, Right? Uh, So that if you uh, come into a crime scene, you don't just uh, uh, disconnect maybe a running machine with some memory that you actually want to save uh, or things like that. that. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, no, but it was a hot topic, and I think a lot has been uh, now written on uh, all the sides of this from, like, the very start of this process, literally how you deal with evidence. Uh, There there are some, like, good guides uh, around right now by multiple organizations, uh, how you share that information, and how do you treat it throughout the whole process. Um, And then, so that's maybe the... The, the left side of, of boom. No, it's actually right side of boom because the incident already happened. Uh, but the where the news comes in is, okay, we collected all the evidence. We have to prosecute it, right? Uh, that's where um, the attorneys uh, and uh, um, yeah, the prosecution comes in. And they also had to have some good understanding of the cyber domain right and that was not given for granted like you talk to anybody coming out of law school it's not a mandatory class to take uh digital forensics right if, if it is uh,
0: like class at all
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot topic i think any uh, any and every country right now is doing a lot more or we've got divisions under all the law enforcement, whether it's italy the us or anybody else but Um, then I think what they're trying to address here is uh, within the prosecution divisions, you needed people who were hyper-specialized first. uh, And that's one problem. The second problem was uh, that prosecution works by jurisdiction, right? Mm. That's just the nature of how things are, right? If a crime happens in uh, London, in Paris or um, Switzerland, it will be prosecuted by that uh, department, right? And in the US, they had this problem where, um, you know, maybe a company was spread out over different states, um, US states or different regions, and it was super hard for the different offices to coordinate and to put together that information and realize that the same malicious actor or IP or whatever level you want to analyze was behind this. So I think they did a lot of work already in trying to streamline these processes. Um, And um, now they just literally created a division focusing on this. Um, And I think there is a really, really awesome book on this. I think it's called the Dawn of... The code war, code conflict, something like that, by a U.S. I think Attorney General who was working on this, and it literally shows all the cases, uh, and it focuses a lot on about on, on China and mm-hmm. how the Chinese threat actors were uh, targeting different companies in um, in the states with the same techniques, right? Mm-hmm. But every attorney, every prosecution had to go through the same uh, investigation, uh, which was really difficult, right? But they were not sharing information. Repeating steps that
0: someone else already did in the past, right?
1: Yes, so, um, and now I think they're really trying to to tackle this uh, from, again, an organizational standpoint. So here Mm -hmm. we've got so many layers of this problem. You've got like the technical forensic—that's like the first one, right? Mm -hmm. Then you've got the legal aspect. And honestly, this rule is not. This uh, news is not even talking about laws. They're—they're not changing any laws, right? The laws are already there. Uh, I mean, there is a whole conversation about laws, but uh, not on this one. And then this is literally like, how do we do we optimize the setup to tackle this problem? And let me give you different examples, because this is a macro example and it could feel a little bit remote to most people uh, who are not spending their days thinking about how to optimize institutional offices uh, to win the cyber war. Uh, But if you take a very micro level that could be more relevant for uh, everyday uh, cyber professionals, how do you set up your team to make sure it's efficient and the analysis is doing works to achieve whatever objective you have, whether it's coming out with a really good CTI report where you need to communicate between different uh, C-certs or different SOCs, whatever you're dealing with, uh, or if you are literally like an analyst, how do you make sure that my IOCs are shared with another analyst sitting in the building next to me, right? Or how do you make sure, I'm going down even to the more concrete level, how do I make sure that um, my own analysis of those IOCs is effective and efficient? So, for example, that I don't jump to conclusions because my attention was grabbed by something else, right? Um, And I think this is a whole, whole debate or discussion that is not paid a lot of attention, yet, because we have a lot of other problems, but it will come up, Uh, how do we optimize this? Because at the end of the day, it plays a big role. Uh, Getting rid of these, let's call them inefficiencies or Mm -hmm. barriers uh, really can hinder our ability to then succeed and solve uh, an investigation or figure out who's behind an attack or whatnot and uh
0: let me let me try to 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 put an input in there so uh am i correct if i say that this is also a lot about uh priorities like what am i thinking about is that you know this division is very specifically focusing not only on cybersecurity. that you know a, a lot of what you did what you said before it's it's about cybersecurity in general right maybe And then the last decades, we didn't have any focus at all. We didn't have any skill at all on the uh, legal side and and, uh, and so on and so forth. I mean, but in this case, we are even on a, you know, deeper level where we are focusing not only on cybersecurity, but those cybersecurity, you know, uh, um, topics involving foreign countries for the United States in this case. So for me, it's also a way to To make a priority to investigate and to prosecute those, uh, uh, I would say attacks, but uh, you know, in general, uh, cyber implication involving uh, foreign countries.
1: Because uh, super true, yes.
0: Like you have internal versus external things, and uh, creating a division for external things, I think it says a lot about putting a priority on those external things. Right? I,
1: am I wrong? What, did, what do you think? Super true. Uh, you just brought up two very good points. First one is, this is a lot, what's happening here with DOJ, is a lot about um, prioritizing um, mm. professionals' work and attention so that if you are uh, a prosecutor, um, you can only focus on cyber-related crimes, and you're not juggling between, you know, a billion different topics that could come your way. And I think that's really important because at the end of the day, you'll do a probably better job if you have the ability, the mental freedom and the specialization to just focus on that. Um, And then the second point is actually probably more important, which is you do need some level of understanding and knowledge of the context right Um, in cyber in general, in international investigations like this, if you don't understand, for example, who are the threat actors and you've only ever dealt with, I don't know, uh, very local based phishing scams and frauds like that, then once you have a very sophisticated threat threat actor uh, targeting something that you cannot even imagine could be of interest, then, your ability to go look and solve that investigation might be um, limited, right? So um, in this specific case, like if we take the example of the book I was mentioning, I think one of the points that was uh, highlighted was we need to understand um, not just cyber, not just how a cyber attack might work, we need to understand China we need to understand how the threat actors are looking at us, why, for what reasons, and what is the broader uh, strategic uh, goal that they have here, right? Why do they want to steal very specific uh, um, trade secrets that sometimes Mm -hmm. back in the days were not even relevant to to other people, right? Um, So, It's interesting because this new division is under the national security, so it definitely has a foreign um, focus. And I think they mentioned that it will not substitute the internal criminal division that focuses on more uh, Mm -hmm. national level um, regular crime. Uh, that is investigated? Yes, exactly right there. Uh, So this one, the new one, has a a very specific focus, like you were saying, on on foreign uh, uh, initiatives. And maybe the last point to to, um, add there is, it's interesting to see how certain investigations and certain law enforcement work, like this one, becomes so much linked to the diplomatic aspect, right? So Mm -hmm. if you are if you're a nation state, if you're a country, do you decide to prosecute, to go after whatever foreign state might be behind? If it's if it's an individual, it's a lot easier, right? Uh, you are based in whatever country that is uh, uh, hosting you um, and um, I want to sue you and I go after you and maybe I can reach you somehow. But if you are a nation state, then then becomes like a much, much bigger question and it, If we want to, uh, actually, you know what? At the beginning, I I cheated a little bit because the first acronym I gave you um, as a second component, um, it's DIME-FIL, but I always forget the second part. So uh, it was, (laughs) yes, diplomatic, (laughs) information, military, economic, financial, um, intelligence and law enforcement right? Okay. So it, those are the seven uh, ways of manifest or use powers uh, mm-hmm. for, for a state. And law enforcement is one of them, right? So sure. if you look at this uh, problems from the very, let's say, high level strategic position of someone sitting in the prime minister or president's office, and they come to you with these questions, so you're like, how do we, okay, a nation state hit one of our companies, how do we respond? It's so big that we need to respond. How do we respond? Do we want to prosecute them? Do we go after North Korea with a lawsuit or do we go after them with economic sanctions? Do we go after them with um, diplomatic uh, initiatives like we saw before? Like any of those, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there is the the hot question on this topic, which is highly, highly debated is does prosecution work in this space sure sure and there is no good answer i think in the field uh in the literature it's it's highly disputed some people would say yes you should do it you should sue uh try to sue north korean actors and some people say you're wasting your time sure so i I will say that uh (laughs) <laughs> sounds a bit philosophical but
0: uh, all good questions doesn't have a, a clear <laughs> answer right uh, but, but because I think it's a good question right uh, you know you are in that field and again as I said before unfortunately multiple technical people do not think that uh, policies in general or governance is a really um, useful thing at all Which I don't think it is. I think that I'm. I started like I had the opportunity to 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 work in this field because of uh, GDPR. So uh, it's definitely had uh, an impact, right? So it definitely was useful and it is. Uh, But you know, uh, going back to to, to the article, I I actually have uh, another question for you. So I'm. So um, this is difficult. So uh, what I understand, right, is that. This is about law enforcement, right? So, about specifically, I wanted to try to explain myself enforcing laws. So, there are already laws in place, maybe to regulate, um, you know, even cyber threats between countries in the United States. But you need a way to try to enforce that, those laws whenever someone actually breaks them because, uh, you know, countries break them, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, so you need a way to, to enforce them, and uh, for that reason, you need a division to focus on that. And uh, when I read the article here, like I was doing before, there are some examples on uh, what the Department of Justice was doing before to to you know that that uh, um, uh, make it clear the focus on this on this stuff. Something like. Um, uh, so, uh, U.S. international authorities, I'm quoting, announced that they had completed an operation to d- disrupt a sophisticated malware implant used by Russian hackers. Another thing here is uh, Department of Justice and FBI announced they had dismantled the infrastructure of uh, the Hive ransomware group. So, what I'm reading here, and, uh, uh, well, this will mm-hmm. take a lot probably, but what I'm reading here, is that um, the focus here is the offensive. And when I say offensive, maybe I'm not only relating to, um, you know, cybersecurity attacks, because maybe, I don't know, technically that could be another way to uh, to put a consequence, right? If I, one of the consequences you said could be military, so technically it could be also, uh, you know, uh, responding to a threat with the... Uh, Physical damage, it could be technically also cyber damage. Like it is not maybe happening right now. Maybe, yes, we don't know. And, uh, uh, but maybe it could be like that in the future. So, now this is this was just the introduction to my question. Do you think this new division could potentially actually like support? um, What do they call that? I'm not remembering the term, but. Hackback, yeah, hackback, right. So, responding to a country attacking on the cyber field with a new and another attack, like in this case, this like with the aim of disrupting the offense from the other side. So I, I don't know so, what yeah, you think
1: yeah. about it. <laughs> um, I smile because I've I've seen that. Um, Interpretation of this news on Twitter, and Mm -hmm. um, at least from the source we're looking at, I could not take that conclusion. Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. So this is not what the news is saying, right? It's
0: my, let's say, uh, elaboration, right? Yeah. On uh, on this Um, thing, but we don't we don't have any any uh, I will say uh, basis to conclude this. Just you know, some talk.
1: But my understanding, and again, it would be interesting to hear from someone who actually worked on this, because I, I have not, uh, mm-hmm. it's just my own interest uh, on the topic. But my my understanding is that um, DOJ and the division under DOJ would be in charge of the criminal investigation, right? So yeah. if, to, to get to your example, they would probably be in charge of... Um, Making that call to decide to what extent we can uh, re- respond, but then yeah. whoever um, implements that would be the FBI. If it's criminal, it would be the FBI in this case, uh, as it's mentioned. I see. Um, I see, and that's for though for the the criminal uh, side of thing. So mm-hmm. if we are talking about uh nation against nation that i think would be a different case
0: absolutely but here yeah. we're
1: talking about let's say a threat actor based in country x that decides to target our um uh, very critical infrastructure um mm-hmm. and uh we we want to prosecute them um but the implementation of whatever decision is made um and there have been a lot of cases where uh companies uh, brought these cases uh to the district attorneys or um the district attorney took initiative and then DOJ made that decision and allowed either the fbi or microsoft itself there are a couple of cases to take action and take down um, um infrastructure that was used uh by the actors right so that would be an yeah. example uh, i don't think that doj will have the mandate or resources to do that themselves i see and i don't think they should
0: <laughs> um, okay. no 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 uh, that that's that's interesting like um i see it you know potentially involved in a scenario like that probably but as you said maybe the, that will like involve other like parts of the overall organization as well because it's uh, it's definitely p- possibly the highest level of uh you know uh, issue they could face right um so maybe maybe that requires like um mm, involvement of other parties right
1: this, maybe it's i mean this is easier to answer if we bring it back to the physical space Um, you commit uh, whatever crime you are Mm -hmm. responsible for from your house and Mm -hmm. an attorney brings charges against you they will go to a judge and the judge would uh, eventually take a decision and maybe uh, at some point the decision could be to seize your assets right Uh, because you started your crime from your house and uh in that case it would not be the judge or the attorney the um, the prosecutor uh to seize your assets it would be in- enforced by law sure. enforcement uh, fbi or whatever other agency as a jurisdiction yeah,
0: so that yeah, would absolutely. be the
1: breakdown in the physical like, case. but
0: the like the decision to seize your your assets are coming from potentially you know the you know the discussion between attorneys and judges and the uh, Right. That that's yes. what I mean, right? Of course, you know, you will have uh, I don't know what security agency perpetrating the potential hackback, but the um, the the okay to do that will potentially come from a discussion coming from this new division. That that's what 100%. I percent. Okay, hundred
1: percent. That's uh, this is actually a very interesting point. Uh, I think we often forget the broader context in which we operate in the Western world and in some of our countries where we're talking about a state of law, where mm. law dictates your actions. And especially when we're talking about um, criminal cases or institutions involved, these are highly uh defined processes right so you don't just take down the c2 of whatever entity um on your own (laughs) Um, because you think that's the right move you you would need uh to get that approved throughout the chain Um, whether it's a civil or or military as well military would have just their own uh, chain Um, yeah but it's highly highly institutionalized and formalized in a way Um, and so again this is a super interesting conversation to have someone with someone from the field because they really talk if you ever do they really uh, tell you more about all the steps that they have to take to motivate that and it's really not uh, that Easy apart from like extreme cases where authority could be more lax or delegated, but mm-hmm. usually it's like if you are, uh, literally, if we bring this to us, if Georgia is, um, I don't know, DDoSing me and I want to take you down, like I don't just do it like this, right? I have to, which, demonstrate. which for the record, I'm not. You don't, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, not at the
0: moment at least. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, there are a lot of steps to to prove and uh, get approval.
0: Yeah, yeah. No that, that's that's definitely well, super interesting and uh, again, I think it's very useful uh, also as one of the purpose for, for this uh, for this format, right? Because again, I, I'm taking back the technical versus policies people, right. And uh, a lot of the technical guys I've seen talking uh, about hackback, right? Like it is a simple thing, especially when we, when we talk about countries. But you helped us understand, like me included, that there's a lot more going on behind a potential decision where a country is going to hack back another country or just potentially a c- civil thing. And so it's, it's, it's really um uh, challenging and complex topic is not something. is right. not only controversial because it, maybe it could be controversial on a ethical um right. like perspective right maybe most of the time that's the 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 center the core of the discussion around hackback but it's also like a really um you know complex political thing okay Yeah. Um, so, so yeah I, I just I just want to just you know <laughs> close the discussion here that was already you know again very 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 interesting uh, because you know the timing is uh, is, time yes. is running really and uh, I'm actually doing a little change on the original plan so we are going to jump directly on the on the final news uh, Um and uh, the point is that I think there's I, I, uh, you know <laughs> a lot of more a lot more to discuss about the last thing as well right yes
1: let's do so, it
0: um yeah let's just directly jump to the, to the final thing okay and uh as usual these like the last one is the news that um like created the title for for this episode so the title is did apple intervene in rush attack and uh the reason behind this title is uh, the news that we're talking about here from the Washington Post. Um, just a very brief introduction, but I think again we we will really spread from the, diff- the, the different and various, uh, um, I would say, you know, things behind this because it's also like a chain of events that started. Uh, uh, I think, like, a month ago or, you know, some weeks ago. Uh, but the news from the last week is basically that Apple, Apple depending on uh, where are you're based, <laughs> um, uh, just fixed, uh, I think, it, a couple of uh, vulnerabilities in their iPhone devices. So uh, basically, zero-day vulnerabilities, from what I understand. Um, and uh, this is not something new, right? Of course, iPhones are maybe, uh, I would say the, the uh, most targeted devices when it comes to speci- specifically to espionage, uh, because uh, it, it is a device known to be uh, maybe much secure than other similar devices. So important people of any kind, right, uh, from the um, investigative journalists to polit- uh, politicians, They most of the time have uh, this kind of devices. So that also means that vulnerabilities for these devices are very, very important and very um, uh, much like valued on uh, like uh, economic perspective. Because uh, I like to remember that there's a a market for vulnerabilities, right? So vulnerabilities are being um, sold on the market and the most valuable the more you know, um, organizations pay for those vulnerabilities. So the iPhones, I believe, are the totally the most um, uh, valued vulnerability out there. And uh, so th- that's the reason why this is not a new thing. We've seen a lot of zero-day vulnerabilities used in different kind of attacks in the past. And of course, Apple is actually very, I would say, good and pretty rapid to, to fix those issues. Uh, but what makes this news even more interesting because it's usually already interesting to to you know on its own, is that these vulnerabilities appeared to be to have been used in the last week uh, in, uh, in a, um, I would say in, in an espionage based attack against um, Russian folks. So it's not really known. Exactly, what was the target? We just know that the um, um, like the Russian government declared that they were facing, you know, a, a lot of uh, Russian folks were, um, you know, both Russian folks and Russian people based on uh, other countries as well were were going to be uh, facing this kind of attack on uh, uh, exploiting iPhones. Um, And at the same time, we know that Kaspersky, so a very well-known Russian uh, cybersecurity firm, uh, was declaring something similar. So there were two different um, um, declarations, I I, I can say a better word, where both the government and Kaspersky, on 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 the other hand, were saying, okay, Someone is exploiting our own iPhone devices uh, to uh, exfiltrate data, to spy on us, uh, to, um, you know, I, I don't remember if this is uh, specifically mentioned in this article or other articles that I actually read about this. But uh, they were talking about emails to be exfiltrated and the other information uh, in, the, in the iPhone themselves. Um, and uh, the point is that, at the time, um you can see here Russia uh, Federal Security Service uh, or FSB were basically accusing Apple itself and uh, the US government also of being behind this uh, this attack okay so they they were actually accusing Apple to collaborate with the with the government to perpetrate this attack so this was the uh, the accusation from uh, um, you know from from the Russian government, not actually from Kaspersky itself I believe Kaspersky was just declaring you know there is this vulnerability it's actually their job to find about uh, uh, these, uh, this kind of uh, also international attacks this time where this was uh, um, involving them uh, specifically but it's actually their job to, to analyze these things and provide information to their clients also. Uh, about this uh, this kind of threats, uh, but there was a you know a very big accusation there. Now, a few weeks later, Apple actually um, you know published the, the fixes for those vulnerabilities, and this is so, in some way uh, putting their them in a in a I would say in a diff- difficult position, right? They were first accused to be um, like the the the. Um, Behind the attack itself, in some way, and now they're providing uh, the defense from this attack. You know, oh, here's the, the shield. Like from from now on, if you if you use this uh, this fix for me, you will not have uh, any any problem anymore. Okay, so they are in some way uh, moving out from the accusation. Right, I was not involved in this. Okay, I'm actually providing uh, the the way to, to fix the problem okay uh, so you know now this is the kind of uh, uh, dif- difficult uh, uh, conversation that uh, it rises from from this uh, chain of events right um, yeah this is pretty much pretty pretty much you know the, the basic news uh, and this is what what happened where
1: do we start um, did you download uh, I really you- don't know. I really don't know. (laughs) Did you download the update?
0: Well, like for for OPSEC, I should not say what kind of device I
1: use. (laughs) So I'm not going to answer
0: that question.
1: (laughs) Good point. Um, Well, let's start from the basics maybe. Uh, So here we're talking about um, it's zero day a uh, highly sophisticated zero-day, also called zero-click, right? So it's it's a very specific type of vulnerability. I think most of the audience who follows us um, is familiar with uh, well, the... Well,
0: you're actually right. And I think still I'm going to, 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 to say a few words about it, right?
1: So Yes, please. Mentioned... I was going to ask you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that's, that, that's good. Um, Like we mentioned zero-day vulnerability, but what does that mean? um like the zero day uh term is used whenever a vulnerability that was not known before the exploitation itself okay is uh um is found out by someone okay so whenever kaspersky in this case declares okay there has been an attack okay uh with these uh, characteristics and uh, the root cause like the 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 actual uh, i will i should say the attack vector, so like the way the attackers got in the device, okay, was the exploitation of some vulnerabilities that before this actual analysis were not known at all, okay. So someone is exploiting vulnerability that before the exploitation itself um, was not really globally known because of course someone <laughs> knew about it if they exploited they knew about it but it could be that. The same attackers, like the perpetrators of the attack, of the attack, were the same people who um, found out about the vulnerability, and they didn't declare this nor to Apple itself nor to you know anyone else, and they just used it. Or like, uh, like very commonly, uh, what what did happen is that someone found out about the vulnerability, doesn't say this to anyone because it's a big one, and actually sell it. As we said before, to the market, to the basically who pays more for it, right? And uh, who buy the vulnerability then uses it, or you know again sell it again or whatever, uh, in order to to uh, to make the attack possible in in the end. Okay, so this is what usually happens. We don't know what happened here, and probably we'll never know, but. This is what usually happens. This is when you call it a vulnerability, any kind of vulnerability, a zero day. So zero day means the first day before the actually um, publication of this vulnerability and it's exploiting. So this should make
1: sense. But then you also need to explain to us uh, zero click. Because this is a a specific kind of zero day, right? (laughs) It's a zero click.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's true. And again, you know, if we add the term zero click to this vulnerability, I think the 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 price for the, this vulnerability rise to I don't know how many uh, millions. Yeah, how many millions probably, right? At least, you know, I think the minimum will be one million for just the vulnerability. And then you need to uh, to build the exploit and then you need to, to perpetrate the attack, whatever. That, that that's another topic. But the point is that that's very, very interesting. The two vulnerabilities, or at least one of them, I'm not sure if that is specified in the news anyway, uh, were zero-click vulnerabilities. So they were both zero-day, so used before the publication, and zero-click. And that means that basically, in order to exploit the vulnerability itself, okay, uh, like the attacker doesn't need any interaction from the target user at all. So basically there are a lot of vulnerabilities where like I send you an email and I need you to at least, uh, you know, click on a link or download an attachment or do something. Right. And after you do that, that's something that I'm requesting you or uh, pushing you to do. Okay. I then exploited the vulnerability and maybe I, I got into your network. Okay. So it needs most of the time, at least, uh, Little step of interaction by the target user. Now we call zero-click vulnerabilities when we don't need any interaction. So basically, I think that these vulnerabilities were affecting uh, yeah iMessage. So I think it's uh, the the SMS basic uh, like app for for iPhones or something. It's basically a, a chat um, a, a chat thing, and uh, you send like the attacker send. That message, like containing the payload, containing like exploiting the vulnerability. And just the fact that you receive that message without you reading the, the, the message, without you clicking on it, without you doing anything, the vulnerability is already exploited and you already are sharing your data to the attackers. Okay. So both zero day and zero click, zero click meaning. Uh, you don't need to do actually anything in order to be attacked. You you just you know they they got in w- uh, without you know any any issues, I would say. Does it make sense to you? this yes. Is it a good a good one?
1: Thanks for the explanations for the audience, I guess. Uh, so, I, let's start from two concepts here. I think. Um, Two, two areas, two topics I wanna to talk about. The first one is, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the whole conversation about vulnerabilities. And the second one is about security in the sense of whether you wanna call it operational security or your own cybersecurity, mm-hmm. right? Let me start for the second one. Uh, we, anybody who works in this space uh, grows uh, up, <laughs> pretty much since the very first class you take on cyber with the notion that there is no um, zero risk (laughs) or risk zero, right? So, and the declination of that concept is that uh, if a highly sophisticated uh, threat actor is targeting whatever uh, target you uh, potentially, Over time, in a highly complex uh, system, there is, in theory, no way for you to protect yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Because by the nature of how information technology works uh, in a systemic way, there will always be components talking to each other, and there will, at some point, uh, be a vulnerability. And to translate that in more concrete terms, uh, uh, the takeaway is... If you are being targeted by someone with a lot of resources, uh, there's almost nothing you can do to protect yourself. Um, So that's that's the extreme oversimplified maybe takeaway. But I think it's really interesting here to see that um, there are things you could have done. uh, And I think they do mention the lockdown mode that now um, uh, Apple uh, has uh, launched a few months ago. To, yeah, that would have been uh, um, preventing the attack. Um, and, and that's really good, right? So you cannot protect yourself always and forever, but there are measures that you can take to minimize your risks and yeah. to minimize the likelihood of uh, an attacker's success. So you can, to make it simple, you can make it more difficult for someone attacking you and you should take all measures uh Within your risk uh, tolerance, uh, if we want to yeah, use some buzzwords, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to do that, but it's, it's interesting, like uh, at some point, um, a single individual cannot uh, win against a really big machine. Like the, the catchphrase uh, catchphrase that's sometimes used, uh, I think at a conference, this was uh, popular,' it's like, how can I protect myself from uh, a government? right if if georgia's land is has decided to really invest resources on me there is no way that i can do to to protect myself and that's why we do need to build uh, something bigger we need to build an ecosystem uh where multiple actors multiple layers you need to do uh uh, in-depth defense and all the concepts we like to talk about to increase uh, this likelihood of uh, succeeding in the defense, but otherwise, it's it's something really complicated, right?
0: Yeah, um, I think it's probably the biggest challenge we yeah. we actually have in, the, in this industry, right? We we said multiple times in this uh, in this episode that uh, you know there's no way you complete you can be completely secure, like right. there will always be like a. Um, a hole that you are not, you know, considering that attackers can uh, can, can exploit, and that right. this this is the perfect, um, uh, you know, um, I would say uh, clue that this yeah. this can happen, right? Right. Let's say the context is one of the biggest and maybe most advanced security firm out there, so they know their stuff. Probably, right? They know how to secure Oof. themselves. Maybe that's also the reason why they were using that specific device. Because we say already that technically, if you compare the different, you know, mobile devices out there, iPhones are one of the m- m- most secure for for maybe multiple reasons. But again, doesn't doesn't uh, mean that if you if you own an iPhone, you are. Um, immune from uh, any right. kind of uh, cyber attack. and nor you are with any other devices, there could be probably like a niche for we'll say uh, devices like that are more secure, that are specifically de- de- developed for that stuff. But again, also those one will uh, eventually have some vulnerability, especially if the people owning those devices, are uh, highly target ones right. right if you are like again a politician or someone who does have very important information that uh, uh, you know <laughs> state-sponsored groups uh, w- w- will actually target they will find a way they will invest right. a lot of efforts and money uh, and uh, you know work on actually finding a way and eventually they will find it so the only way is usually, if we, if we, you know, move this discussion a little, a little more on the, the technical aspects, is to put in place usually multiple layers, right, of security. Okay, I do own the more secure device out there, but at the same time, I do not connect to any, uh, you know, uh, un- like untrustworthy networks. And at the same time, I just power it on when I strictly need it. For the rest of the time, it's in a, it's in a safe somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. So. It- as you said, really depends on uh, your, um, um, like the threats that you are going to face. Like, yep. who are we, who you are? You know your work, you know y- the data you are handling. And on, uh, based on that, you should find out okay, because I own this data, because who I am, and the actors to which I'm uh, you know, interacting to. These are the threats I could face, potentially. And based on the um, criticality of those threats, I should work on my security um, like, uh, as a consequence. Okay? So if I, if I could potentially have multiple state-sponsored groups targeting me, maybe I should not use technology at all. I don't know. Again, there's no real answer to that. Yeah. The only how do they say it? The the only secure computer is uh, shut down and uh, put right. uh, yeah. like uh, under yeah, underground <laughs> or something. Uh, but at the same time, they will find a way to you know physically you know steal the data from right. you. Right? That maybe it's even worse. I'm not sure what, what to prefer. Um, yeah, it's, so it's
1: a really fascinating yeah. concept. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's from the very you know low level kind of philosophical <laughs> aspects of, of security. Yeah. Uh, and uh, probably any, everyone should know about this. Like if, if you are, let's say, security professional, of course, in, in general. And again, if you could be some kind of target. There are a lot of people yeah. out there that always say, okay, uh, like, uh, I don't have anything to hide. That That's the very common phrase, you know? Uh, and... Uh, Okay, probably most of those people should not really prepare for a zero-click zero-day, uh, you know, uh, attack. That that's potentially true. That's not always true. I, I have a few few uh, examples in my head that, that I don't just don't want to say because we have uh, uh, not 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 that much time. Uh, but if you you know again, if you could be targeted. At that at that point, you know, you just should do whatever you
1: are capable to do. Okay. Uh, so, uh, let me let me pick on this uh, last point you made. Uh, this is actually very interesting because sometimes we talk about cyber or security or these problems in a little bit of an oversimplified way, right? Uh, It's either protect yourself, like that's a messaging we do. You need to protect yourself, right? And then we don't really break that down in uh, like we are trying to do right now in terms of where when and how you should protect yourself, right? If I go to my uncle and I tell them, uh you should use uh lockdown mode to pro- protect yourself from a zero day, zero click, they're gonna be like, what the hell at uh, first. And second, uh, they're probably not gonna do it because it's not as relevant for them. Um, and yeah, so that doesn't really apply, right? So we, the messaging should be you need to have a baseline of cyber hygiene that it's applicable for everybody to increase the, uh, the, the difficulty uh, for any threat actor. Uh, and then if you are a very uh, based on your threat model and risk assessment uh, in very specific cases, you need to take different actions uh, to, to make it more difficult. Um, but the the different messaging, I think, is uh, is interesting. Um, we don't do that as much, I would say.
0: Yeah, you know, again, there are multiple problems at multiple levels here. Like, of course, it will really it will be really nice to have like a baseline for everyone. Okay, to raise the bar, to to increase difficulty for, um, you know. Uh, attackers to reach their goal but the point is that like the pro the real problems i think come when uh, you are on the very top level and uh, your threat model your the risk you are facing are very very high right Mm -hmm. so for for that reason you don't really just a baseline you need extreme i I will definitely say extreme measures okay and uh, again as I said before, with extreme, I mean, maybe you should consider to use multiple devices for multiple purposes, OK? OK, maybe you have an iPhone, but at the same time, the real, the most important data are not on that iPhone. Maybe you just use, uh, I don't know, uh, like a, maybe a laptop with uh, a, lo- a lot of measures uh, on top of it. I'm not sure. Uh, or at least, have, again, even multiple mobile devices for that with one of the or those using it just uh, when you really need it for very important communication and so on and so forth. So th- that's the problem, right? When you are handling maybe top secret data or mm-hmm. very harmful data because you are protecting someone and uh, the consequence to know the, 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 those information is that someone can be actually, you know, uh, threatened and uh, and uh, actually uh, harmed, right? Uh, so that comes the real difficulty. It's on a micro situation uh, uh, versus yeah. a, a macro situation. We all like, we all would like in this industry that anyone will, will increase their uh, security posture. But when you are on top of the of the pyramid, you need really right. extreme measures. And uh, still, that cannot be uh, enough in some cases. Even you know the, the the feature that you were mentioning before the lockdown mode, right? What if and, and maybe I, I'm actually understanding that this is not enabled by default, right? No. So again, we are we can come back to the to discussion we are having for the previous news. Should should be actually Apple making this by default? Is it like a um, responsibility from Apple because they are selling these devices? To make it as much secure as possible by default or by design, or should be you, right? Like uh, um, reading about this stuff because maybe you didn't know about it. What if the feature is there but you don't know about the feature and it's not enabled about the uh, like by default? Maybe you should pay sh- like a consultant or someone to teach you and uh, configure your devices, but at the same time. If you are at that level of uh, risk, should you give? Should give you? Sorry, should you give your own devices to someone else, whoever I- is right? I'm not right. sure. I-, I will not trust any consultant <laughs> probably to, to to put hands on my uh, device with top secret data on
1: it. Yeah, right. It's the fascinating thing here is that it really shows how complex the problem is it's not a line of code. No. <laughs> it's it's a billion pieces coming together um, and that's what creates the vulnerabilities. Uh, I don't even mean it in terms of software vulnerabilities, literally like the systemic, like the the, the real <laughs> uh, vulnerabilities, the, the holes in the system, right? So that are then uh, exploited. Uh, whether it should be lockdown mode by default no uh, because this brings up another key point in our field which is the tension between security and usability efficiency or whatever other goal you have uh, to achieve you want to achieve with technology uh, lockdown mode basically makes your phone um almost unusable for the billion features that Apple uh, is famous for, right? So that's, uh, again, very targeted uh, use case, uh, like you were saying. And it really, again, another buzzword of this uh, decade is risk-based. Um, So you do need a baseline, uh, whether you are in this uh, field or you are uh, the uncle working on agriculture. and then above that, and the baseline should go, keep going up, right? Uh, and I don't, I don't think we talk enough a lot uh, about that. Um, we don't question passwords anymore. I don't think any sane person would say passwords are too uh, much. Uh, but then there are other things that I believe should be in the baseline, and they're they're not, and they're still questioned. Um, so that should be raised. But then everything above it because it's so specific uh it should be based on your risk like you were saying um but if we want to see the i think positive uh, side of this story uh for the defense again because here we're just talking about the defense of of the news um i think it's interesting to see that defense or the multi-layered uh approach you were mentioning in a way it worked right because um Kaspersky uh, was doing network uh, monitoring and uh, eventually they, they caught this right so if you if this were Giorgio um, own device and maybe not set up in the same way that a major uh, corporation is uh, doing security not monitoring all your uh, network flows you might have never uh, caught this uh, so in, if we want to uh, Take away something positive from the story. Like, we should keep doing that. We should keep layering yeah. up and do defense in many different ways uh, to uh, this, um, uh, diversify the risks um, and increase our probability of uh, catching uh, incidents.
0: Well, there, there's a, actually a little more about that. Like, what I was referring to was uh, like putting in place multiple layers of defense to prevent an attack right and we already said that the more layers you put in place the, the you know the more difficult it will be for the attackers to reach their goals but still there will be that you know 0.1% of chance that they, they can uh, be and what you mentioned is that uh, you should put another layer that is not actually um, like prevention but detection. And here it comes again, my 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 field. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, you know, it's it's very. That's even more difficult when we are talking about individuals, because mm-hmm. uh, you know there are ways to put a, a detection structure on an organization, but when you are like a, 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 you know a single individual, and your infrastructure to defend is your uh, I will say some people call it like a PAN, P A N, personal area network. Right, basically your network is uh, your mobile device, your laptop, your maybe smartwatch yeah. or whatever what you are wearing and uh, putting like uh, taking with you. Okay, it's a little more difficult. You don't have like uh, a company behind. Maybe okay, maybe some politician could have something like that. Maybe a government could have something like that. But tomorrow. You know, mobile devices of people that are traveling for work are always, uh, you know, everywhere and anywhere monitoring like network traffic that that's uh, (laughs) that's uh, I don't know, uh, that's that's a challenge for me that I'm uh, exactly on that field. Right. It's
1: really complicated stuff. And to go back to that, I I really struggle with this because in a way, in the messaging and narrative. We are sometimes we assume that the single individual, the private citizen, um, is even capable—not even that he doesn't want to do it, but like we're assuming that you're capable—not even so, even someone who works in this space, right? It's not a given that Giorgio has its own network detection with your viral uh, uh, scanning and your CM setup and all that shit to catch something like this. That's a big assumption. And I don't think even like at a, a national or society level, we should even um, expect that. Like yeah. we need you are a citizen for a reason and you don't uh, provide your own physical security. There's police on the street, right? And the same way you should expect um, whether it's a private company uh, like Apple or whoever else, or a government to at least play part of that uh, game, um, because you cannot succeed. Like you were saying, it's it's too much.
0: And, and actually, I think the last um, aspect of these uh, this discussion that I want to to, uh, to to discuss together with you is that you know, in some way. Uh, we we say that you don't have like a, a team most of the time behind you with the, all of the technology, all the infrastructure they need to defend and prevent and detect and what, what whatsoever. The only layer most of the time that you add that you have you know in order to, to defend you is the vendor itself of the device. Yeah. Right. So you are choosing the device, <clears throat> and uh, basically. Choosing the device, if you are if you are on that you know top of the pyramid that we were uh, talking about before, in some way you are also deciding what's the level of uh, you know um, security by design, but also the of response. Right, this is some kind of response. They are pushing some uh, um, right. Uh, fixes right after the, the breach. Without the fix, you should uh, you know trash that device at all. Right. Um so so that that's a in uh, in some way a level of uh, response And in uh, deciding that Apple is your um, at the same time you enabled your enabler because it's giving you the device to communicate and to store the data and so on and so forth, but also the company behind the security of that device and that data at the same time, it's a big choice and uh, it also put, The vendor, we are talking about Apple in this case, but could be, uh, you know, uh, whatever, uh, in a difficult position when you talk about um, very important people, right? What if we had um, similar situations in the past with a terrorist using an iPhone, okay? Should Apple protect his customer, whoever it is, in that case, maybe it was a little you know, more uh, controversial. Or in this case, should Apple protect like uh, a politician or a very important people from a country that is not the same uh, or, or where the vendor is based? Again, we are talking about Apple and the uh, United States in this case, but what about, I don't know, uh, if it was Samsung, which is uh, uh, Korean, I think, Right yes. and uh, uh, an opposite country, right, uh, where a politician is using an Android from uh, from Samsung and that device is compromised, right. should uh, the Korean uh, vendor protect the the person from the other country? Should the company get in trouble with uh, its own uh, country and state because of this? So what's the the position? Like again, this is very. I believe political, right? And this is very difficult. But for vendors that are also putting a lot of their, um, you know, I would say um, branding in the security of their devices, this is actually a thing. This is actually a topic, right? Uh, Apple decided in the past to um, prioritize security no matter what, no matter who is the customer. If you are my customer, I support you 100%, and I will go against—I don't know—anyone that will pretend something else. And it appears it's still doing this, doing this, based on yep. what we know from from this news,
1: right? I mean, every every case is very specific, so some of those uh, you mentioned are complicated uh, to tackle now. But as a general rule, I do believe uh, we need to—we should expect vendors and companies to provide. A uh, good if not high level of security and this is um a conversation that exists but i think the concrete implications of this we're gonna see a lot in the upcoming years um maybe just to share something from my work uh, related space uh, the european union is working a lot on this And uh, Mm -hmm. we'll hopefully see it in the uh, next couple of years with the Cyber Resilience Act, uh, which is the attempt to put a lot more pressure on companies to take up these issues and fix uh, vulnerabilities uh, to a reasonable level. So to identify who is responsible and what terms uh, to do this and say you cannot just... uh, uh, either ignore the problem or uh, claim that there is not, uh, you can't do enough about it. Uh, we expect better from you. Um, so I think we'll see a lot more from this. Uh, there are a lot of conversations, honestly, uh, worldwide on this, uh, whether it's the U.S., Europe, or uh, even Asia. And uh, this is going to change just because the, the status quo right now, it's, it's bad, right? Uh, we have seen the numbers, we've seen the uh, number of vulnerabilities and this should not be, um, maybe it's it's a side effect of this field, but at least it should not be what we expect. We expect better uh, like we did in any other sector. Like if you are talking about aviation, if you're talking about um, automobile security, nobody today would argue uh that uh an unsecure plane is okay even though that's extremely difficult or it was extremely difficult to achieve right so i'm not saying that tomorrow this is going to change uh or it, it is easy to tackle but we should at least do more um in, in this space uh because the and, yeah, uh, vulnerability
0: what you said is actually very very interesting and uh i want to expand a little more right you mentioned like the automotive and uh, you know uh aviation and so on and so forth so what about like I'm speculating on a potential consequence of uh, this kind of news right so we heard before when a country tried to uh, pushes for internal technologies versus uh, you know uh, foreign technologies right mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like we will use uh, our own uh, uh, network infrastructure from uh, uh, you know, our own uh, uh, vendors because we don't trust uh, foreign companies uh, to be in the middle of our communications. Or uh, uh, you know, we we want our own internet, so we don't want to use uh, uh, foreign social media because uh, they, their countries can actually um, eavesdrop the, the communication. They can force the companies maybe uh, to, to drop data and so on and so forth. So what about the consequence of this news is that suddenly Russia decides that okay, no more foreign uh, mobile devices from now on, okay? Because it's it's a it's a risk. We don't know if Apple was behind it, but anyway, it was a uh, too much of a risk. So we we'll start to building our own mobile devices and uh, force our, I don't know, again, government people to just use our Russian mobile devices, and. If we consider something like that, should we expand this to something else? Like we know that uh, that automotive is so highly connected today. Should they start, you know, building their own Russian right. Russian, you know, uh, um, cars just because they they don't trust? Uh, I don't know what what they use, Mercedes uh, or yeah. or whatsoever, or uh, oh okay, I'm not going to use a Boeing anymore. I'm not going to fly. A Boeing because this is not a Russian company, so uh, they couldn't, uh, could, you know, uh, eavesdrop my communication when I connect to the uh, to the uh, uh flight Wi Fi or something? You yeah. know, I could potentially talk uh, about this forever,
1: right? Right, not totally. Um, super interesting question. We need a different episode for this, uh, but uh, <laughs> It, it comes down to like the risk equation we were talking about before, because if you go that route, the assumption is that you can build something that is more secure. And that's a big assumption, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe if you are a large country of that size, you can. But most other countries probably cannot. Uh, I mean, if we look at the state of the global economy today, that's not how it works. And maybe there are good reasons for it. Because uh, you can be specialized in something and know nothing about something else. But then you take that knowledge and you use it. Um, so that's one consideration. And then the other side of the risk equation is... Um, there are indeed some inherited built-in vulnerabilities that will always be there because of the complexity of the systems like you were saying. So it comes down to like, okay, what are you prioritizing? What do you think is the biggest risk? And I think different people would argue for both sides to be more secure or more insecure, right? So if um, the case you took, Russia decided to just use uh, Russian uh, phones, I think uh, that could be uh, the reaction could be positive or negative, uh, depending on who you're talking to, right? And the assumption is: are those phones more secure? Uh, yes or no? Uh, and what do we What do what can we do if they are more or less secure? Um, but it's a really complicated topic because it's not it's not linear, right? It's not that someone sits down and says, "Okay, tomorrow we do this." Because this is the best um, mm-hmm. idea ever. Uh, it's it involves so many components of this field uh, that it's highly highly complicated to um, to solve. Yeah, and, and maybe not- you don't solve it; you just manage it. That's another maybe interesting concept to close on uh, in this space. Uh, you don't solve security; you just have to manage it over time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, what you just said is actually the reason why this is going to be a wrap for today. <laughs> and we're, we're, you no, know, we will stop trying to answer those questions because we had a lot of yeah. very big, like great questions. And uh, with great questions comes no answers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know what? Um, Christian, it has been. A lovely chat with you. I'm not joking. This has been great, and uh, so many, you know, uh, tough processes, right? Something that I still need to to think about and uh, you know uh, brainstorming with it. And uh, of course, I will really love to um, to have you back to to this podcast again in one of the next episodes. So I, I will, you know, um, uh, <laughs> push you a little bit more in the in the next weeks and months. Hopefully you will uh, join again, and uh, yeah, th- thanks again very much because uh, I really appreciated it. Hope, Indeed, hope you it was loved. it
1: was really fun uh, conversation. Uh, I enjoyed uh, the exchange. Thanks a lot for the invite, and thanks everybody who listened in. And uh, like George said at the beginning, uh, I feel we are both in a way nerds of this space. So if you ever want to reach out and talk more about any of these, uh, it would be a pleasure.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, that's definitely the purpose of all of this format. And uh, just a little reminder, we are live on Twitch. We are, you know, pretty much often live uh, on Twitch uh, as of now every week. But every episode is going to be re-uploaded on YouTube and the audio version on uh, Spotify and similar um, um, platforms. And I am... You know, we are always in search for uh, new guests that want to join us in our uh, discussions and chats and any help, any feedback that you could provide uh, during the lives, you know, as comments in the, um, uh, in you know, behind the, the uh, YouTube videos or just directly reaching out to, to any of us. Uh, so please feel free to do that. That will be very appreciated. And with this, I will just, you know, hope to, See you, both you, Christian, and uh, people watching this on the on the next episode. So thank you very much, all, and thanks, uh, everybody. Everybody. Have a great, nice and day. Georgia. Bye, bye, everyone. Bye, bye.